And welcome to episode two of the Thodcast, conversations about animation between myself, Philip Elke, and my brother Dawson. Hey there, Dawson. What's going on? Just hanging out and talking about animation with you, sir. How are you doing? Doing good. Well, what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about Dragon, sorry, The Dragon Prince. Yeah, you hey. got to get in those articles. That's uh, important. Um, yeah, I know with this show, are we Thodcast? Are we The Thodcast? I don't know. Who cares? Let's just keep talking about dragon prince yeah we're talking about that we can we can figure out maybe the dragon prince will will melt this podcast into the the thought that's so dumb anyway but uh yeah so philip you are a lover of all things uh fantasy and and sci-fi and nerd and action adventure excitement what is what is the dragon prince um, well, yeah, it's basically someone taking uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign and building an animated series out of it. <laughs> That's uh, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons isn't better. something, yeah, D&D, it's, it's not something that I'm personally into. Uh, I definitely sympathize with the appeal of it. But, yeah. you know, I don't have enough really, well, I don't know, I haven't. Would you be interested time. in doing it? Like, um, have you gotten to that point yet? Yeah, I'd have to have some people who knew who I'm close to who are big into it in order to sort of coax me into also participating and that just hasn't happened so I I don't know um maybe maybe one day it's like the it's like the paragon of ultimate nerddom it's yeah you know if if you are a, a, a true nerd you have or do play D and and or like and well not true nerd. well it used to be like you were you were way too much of a nerd or that was like that was like you've gone too far if you play D and D, but now it's like you're you're a veteran nerd if you grew up playing D and or like yeah if you grew up as a kid playing D and D in the eighties or seven or what have you now you're revered as this Merlin of nerddom, yeah and uh, and so I and I have never I never played D and D we were obviously we grew up being told it was demonic um, and <laughs> yeah well, con- I only ever had that conversation a small handful of times. Uh, very very innocuously anyway that's besides the point but i never played D. you never played D, well, and then i grew up never playing it and you're, then, well what? you're younger than i am i i mean or did you, like, did you uh, i never i've never played uh yeah tabletop role-playing game as far as like maybe some smaller scale type games like that um but nothing as extensive as you know the pen and paper role-playing tabletop you know video uh, games rpg which yeah. is where that comes from like fantasy rpg mm-hmm. skyrim obviously um mm-hmm. you know that, yeah i mean i feel like it's it's so much work for the dm uh, for sure and obviously yeah. for the participants you still have to know the rules it's kind of yeah. i've been listening to a dnd podcast lately and because i'd never been into dnd dm which is a dungeon master dungeon master yeah the one who's like writing the story that all the other uh, characters are participating in. There's obviously a lot of rules, a lot of stuff, but by now I've I've played so much like Skyrim and I and um and and things that that at least I have that foundation. There's a certain amount there's a certain amount of sense it makes. And then digging into the complexity is just a matter of time uh, spent. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's fun. I I mean I think it's it's fun work. I've only played a half day of a campaign now. Okay. Um. So I have I have dabbled. I've dipped my toe. <laughs> Yeah, who told you it was demonic? I I've only known about that sort of secondhand. 
Oh, um, you know, I, so I maybe have like one or two memories. I think, uh, so I was flipping through a magazine, um, a catalog of like toys that we used to get those, um, there were toys in it. And, and one of them the label Dungeons and Dragons was on it. And I was like, that sounds cool. And then out of the blue, my mother or my father, I did probably mom, she was like, that's demonic. Uh, mm. So you can't get that. And I didn't just like question it. I, I thought, okay, that's probably silly. Because the same thing, so D&D is demonic and also World of Warcraft is addictive. So that that's like your parent opinions. Well, any other MMO is fine. Um, or like Lord of the Rings Online is fine. Or Star Wars is fine. You know, well, as long as it's not World of Warcraft, exact same thing. It's the exact same formula. It's the exact same whatever. So then D&D, that's demonic. But anything else like it is fine and who cares because it doesn't have that name. So they obviously didn't really know it was just something they it was it was a buzz a buzzword they heard from some fundamentalist aspect of culture that said don't let your kids play dnd and apparently yeah and then i have heard that is you know it's a fairly normal opinion that a lot of people have you know it's kind of like harry potter's bad sort of a thing and hmm. um but it would obviously just don't really or like your kids will start actually summoning demons by playing dnd or they go into this entranced hypnotic seance and no they're just they're just playing make-believe and they're, um, they're summoning demons <laughs> in a story that in a make-believe story <laughs> right and because if they're summoning demons they're probably role-playing an evil character or i, I, I guess i don't know no um, i i'm joking but, i mean yeah it's <laughs> ultimately all that boils down to you know whether something like dungeons and dragons might or world of warcraft might be addictive and you know uh, and obviously there's science for World of Warcraft being addicted, but also for any other MMO ever. So Yeah, detrimental to one's life. I mean, that's that's where it all boils down to. Like pot. Uh, <laughs> it's now legal in Canada. So if you're listening in Canada. Yeah, I mean any any one of these things can be more fun. Uh, <laughs> any one of these things can be destructive if used in the wrong way. So but um yeah. Obviously, the Dragon Prince is an animated story that um, borrows from a lot of these fantasy tropes that you find in, in a, in a lot of yeah fantasy nerd culture, role playing, um, and stuff that I'm not overly uh, familiar with. But you know, I, I've played Skyrim and a little bit of RuneScape. Oh, yeah, you did. You did play RuneScape a little bit. You really, really a you. <laughs> oh, you remember your password? Can I get on? No. Your well i i yeah i could maybe give that to you later um but yeah obviously you know game of thrones is an example of this sword and sorcery type of genre um yeah you've got uh lord of the rings the most famous the the most cherished the magnum opus because that's where it all began Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, then people who loved Tolkien made Dungeons and Dragons, and then people who loved Tolkien and Dungeons and Dragons wrote all their other fantasy novels, like George R. R. Martin, probably Robert Jordan, definitely Brandon Sanderson, definitely Patrick Rothfuss, definitely, I mean, you name it. If they're writing fantasy novels and they're at all Tolkien-esque, which is what fantasy, the, the fantasy genre is Tolkien-esque because it's got elves, humans, dwarves. Um, yes, yeah. D&D inspired and that's why this show is so interesting and I'll sorry not to start off on my own but the show is so interesting it was right off the bat so interesting to me because it is so unabashedly generic and and how generic it was 
was almost refreshing and charming. Like well, Dawson, it wasn't what, afraid of being generic. <laughs> what are the six elemental sources of magic? Oh gosh, um, uh, it's sky, yeah, right? That's one. Uh, ocean slash two. Not what? Okay, ocean, earth. Yeah, three. Um, uh, people, humans. That's well. That's dark magic. Um, that yeah. That's the seventh. Oh, I have three. Okay. Um, and then um, light storm, lightning. Is that separate or no? Moon, moon, moon. Yeah. The moon. Uh, the stars. Yes. Um, and that's five. I'm at five that's... now, right? So so sun, moon, stars. Sun. Yep, that's one I didn't say. Sun, moon, stars. Oh, okay, yeah. So sun moon stars yeah because you can't just unite that all the cosmos that they're separate entity which is fine that's you know cool uh, i mean you can sort of delineate these however you want and i enjoyed you know that the show did so in in the way that it did uh, but yeah sun moon stars ocean sky and earth yeah and uh <laughs> the seventh source which which would have been kind of a fun title for an alternate title for the show like the seventh source the seven uh, the seventh uh, it's it's the dragon prince or the seventh source <laughs> yeah, the, adapted from the seventh from the <laughs> anthology yeah. the seventh source yeah adapted from the original uh, uh s morgenstern uh classic the the seventh <laughs> source uh, that's a Princess Bride reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So, what do you what do you think what do you think of it? You've got your six sources of magic, Dragon Prince. Uh, yeah. What do, what do you, what are your thoughts? What is I it? I really got a thrill from that like opening intro where so they die. Yeah. A thrill. That's a good word for it. Mm -hmm. It um it felt. I mean, so what drew the two of us to this show? Uh, you were the one who discovered it initially, and and that it does have a bit of shared dna with avatar the last airbender as well shared as dna uh, another good yeah. word for it yeah 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 and and of course the legend of korra um two very um high production value uh animated series with you know great story characters drama um and, and also in sort of a medieval fantasy setting with uh, magic and dragons uh yeah similar subject matter but um, of course, the Dragon Prince um, uh, has the same head writer, I believe. And um, Aaron A. Has, or however you say. Yeah, it. Aaron E. Has. Sorry, I love you, Aaron. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your name. <laughs> and uh, of course, the Dragon Prince is sort of like a, a more westernized variant of that um, medieval European, in, in as opposed to uh, ancient uh, Far East. Um, yeah, which is what Avatar and the Legend of Korra. Well, then of course, Legend of Korra, where it became uh, 1920s American Jazz Age mixed with um, Eastern Asian, which was a really neat aesthetic. So, oh not, yeah, not, yeah, um, yeah. So right, that 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 European medieval fantasy aspect, which is so many, which is it can't help but be generic, and there's no, it just you you know it when you see it. And, and yeah, that, but, and I got, man, what a, yeah, what a little thrill that that opening sequence gave. Cause 
I was like, of course there's six, of course there's six sources of magic. And of course there's a dark wizard. And Mm -hmm. of course there's a great dragon and a great war, like all these things that they could be eye rolls, but I, I, I didn't care. I was just so happy about it. I don't know. It was because I probably just because I love and trust, you know, Aaron Ahaz and I'm, and I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, you know, go for it. Tell your D and D campaign, please. I'm ready to listen. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and of course, uh, like Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, which we should mention, um, this show also stars one of the main cast of oh. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Everyone, um, Jack Tessina. Jack Tessina, you are a hero. You're probably the best voice actor of all time. Um, not that you have, I've ever heard you use a different voice other than Sokka's, but Sokka's so amazing that that's all I wanted. Um, so thank you for. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, it that's works. like, a, yeah, it's almost, well, it's funny. There basically this whole thing with the show is like, there is a yin to a yang, in my opinion, there's like something I love, which may actually be interpreted as a bad thing. Uh, or this might be a bad thing, but I think it's a good thing, or it might be a good thing that I think is a bad thing. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm, I have much harder time, like picking my opinion on it. I just know like trying to okay like it's it's Sokka but not and like maybe a bit more generic like the the character himself is maybe a bit more generic but like who cares because he's performing it so well like I don't know it may be well anyway just yeah what do you what do you think the character's story well yeah the series follows Callum voiced by Jack DeSena who is uh prince of the kingdom of uh catalis correct that's the um no wait wasn't the planet in resistance catalis the (laughs) wait a minute oh my well cortosis black armor not again (laughs) the the (laughs) middle earth of the dragon yeah not cortosis the middle earth of uh the dragon prince is kingdom called Zadia or a continent you know called Zadia but it was divided Zadia. into east and west uh, after humans started using dark magic it's always the humans that are always the dicks <laughs> the avatar people are always the good guys no yeah the elves yeah anyway. so um and of course yeah so the um uh, magical beings of Zadia forced sort of the lesser magically advanced humans out into the eastern half of the continent. Um, so the two are kind of divided by, um, so Zadia and Catalis are, are divided by this, uh, you know, magical DMZ of some a giant volcanic chasm, right? Yeah, that's right. Of course, it's a giant volcanic like what else can it be you know um oh oh, great oh great wall or a a wired fence with yeah you know eight guys with ak's patrolling it no yeah is is that true did did the earth open up like that i'm I'm trying to remember the imagery the at least the location where the the dragon who guards this magical dmz this Mm -hmm. giant dragon Mm -hmm. that he at least sits on or she at least sits on a volcanic yeah, cataclysm. Yeah. Well, I don't know out, if there's a straight up line. I could, I should look it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I mean, you find out there um, were at least two dragons that were uh, responsible for that duty, 
um, the father of this dragon prince, the titular dragon prince, um, whose name is Thunder. At least, um, you know, that's what the humans call him. They call him Thunder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a a generic name. And we'll get into the name (laughs) given to... (laughs) See, isn't that great? Everything is like... Oh, it's called Thunder. It's a generic name, but I love it. <laughs> but they kind of justify it by saying that's just what the humans call him. That's not yeah. necessarily his like true dragon name. The elves call it Karalandangala. Nakadagathaya. Nice to die is one of them. <laughs> that, that sounded like Hylorian. I learned, well, that's, there's, well, it's that when Elrond is, when Frodo's trip involves in, in the white void, <laughs> Elrond floats into view and says, Kalalandanga. <laughs> so yeah. that's what, that's the, that's thunder in Elvish, in, in um, Kenyan, or, or not Kenyan. <laughs> that's Swahili. Uh, no, Enyan and Kenyan. Quenyan, oh, anyway, back well, to, he, back to right. Thunder, of course, has been killed at the start of the show uh, through an unspeakable act of dark magic. We basically are thrust into the aftermath of this event uh, where I think it takes place, what, four or five months afterwards. Um, yeah, and not like... That was cool that it wasn't like thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago the dragon was destroyed. It was like six months ago this evil wizard slew the great protector of the border. That, so really cool, really cool inciting incident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, six months, if I recall. Okay. And uh, yeah, the the elves are out for revenge or um, the kingdom of Zadia, you know, is is on the march to try to uh, achieve retribution for what was done. And so we're following um, you know, both the, the Prince Callum, his younger brother, who is the heir apparent. Prince Ezrin. Um, Prince Ezrin, yeah. Uh, King. Um, Callum's a bastard. <laughs> a bastard, Callum. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, Callum's mother married uh, into the throne. So he's, I guess, not in line for the throne specifically. But he is kind of the um, audience avatar character. He's he's sort of the main character of the series. King Harrow, of course, is is the king who um, is, yeah, Callum's stepfather as well as Ezrin's uh, blood father. Um, So, yeah, the show follows... Ezrin and Callum throughout this first uh, run of nine episodes so far, book one, Moon, um, and so-called because the uh, antagonist of the series starting out is um, the dark, the moon shadow elves um, who are charged with the responsibility of... They have bonuses to dexterity and stealth. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and they can turn. They if once a day they can use a power to turn invisible in the night time, <laughs> and have night vision. It's so good. It's so good. Um, no, you were saying. Sorry. They, the well, one- yeah, they're uh, commissioned to kill the uh, the king of Catalus, Harrow, as well as his heir, Ezrin. So they they uh, perform a blood oath that um, requires them to kill, you know, these two characters. 
Um, and if they don't succeed, of course, they they will themselves be, you know, at least lose their bound, limb. They, yeah. Right. The freaking bound, uh, the physical binding on their arms that binds them to their task. Mm-hmm. And if they fail their task, it'll rip their arm off. That's yeah. thank gosh, that's so cool. The uh, unbreakable vow. If you will. The un- <sighs> oh, man. So many chills. Yeah, 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 I totally thought of that too, and like, and, and homage that was really nicely um, uh, reiterated. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, book one, uh, Moon, did 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 that give you happy chills when you just saw like the exact same title screen for the episode as oh. Avatar? Wasn't it like, oh yeah, baby, we're back. We're like <laughs> it's it's back, <laughs> only new. <laughs> well, this is yeah, this is kind of like. Um, you know, diet avatar in a way. Uh, <laughs> it's a little more processed, um, not quite as organic feeling, not not as hardcore. You know, in terms of like the art style and um, a- you know, animation being purely um, anime. Um, combined with sort of Western hand-drawn animation. Well, and, and be careful calling Last Airbender anime, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but but very well, clearly, yes, the South Korean animation studio and hand-drawn, all hand-drawn, and um, except for uh, the the drill and the airships. Sometimes. Yeah, and the technology used to render those is basically what's used to render all of the Dragon Prince, where it is cell shaded animation uh except for a lot of the backgrounds right Um, yeah those oh my gosh were they not i'm looking at some of the matte paintings we'll call them now Mm -hmm. and um and i remember and like during the show i was constantly just blown away by how beautiful how beautiful it looked Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it looks good um you know the designs themselves the character designs you know wouldn't be out of place in an anime series um but yeah the way they move you know it's, it's all clearly done using uh, computer technology it's you know, which do we want to get that out of the way right away as the like the one serious drawback maybe we both agree upon where there's that that false um frame raped uh stutter yeah that they apply to the to the cg to make it look more animated and, and it's that doesn't mm-hmm. it's oh it's annoying so annoying yeah absolutely it, it's just yeah it does kind of feel robotic at times and yeah that is that is the ultimate detractor i think from this series and there's a lot of people who, who can't get past it where they say like it gives them a headache and, and i understand that so i i think that's valid i i definitely was able to get past it or at least like tune it out enough but it kept reminding me like I was constantly being reminded, like I, I could forget about it for a few minutes, but then it was like, oh, that uh, that felt again, like it was buffering and it was mm-hmm. yuck. Um, but, um, the Dragon Prince, it's clear that like they had, um, for the most part, everything's animated on twos or less. And, and that just means um, two frames of footage uh, to a single frame of animation. Mm-hmm. So everything, Appears fairly choppy. It's not as smooth as it could be if it were. If every single frame of footage were um, animated, yeah. So they so they just duplicated the the, yeah. the 
their friends. Yeah, you, I mean, it, it wouldn't have to be like that other than that they're trying to make it look more like a hand-drawn piece of animation. So, yeah, right. So I feel like there's just, with the next season, really all they have to do is like, ooh, so I know we already exported this, but let's just go back to the last save file and, and hit Control-Z, and that'll undo our last added effect and that'll eliminate that effect entirely and it'll just be all smooth and just like, that's all they have to do. They all, they just have to take away this added detractor and then we're, we're good to go. Yeah. Smooth. Cause yeah, the computer can fill that all in automatically nowadays. Uh, you know, of course, one of the biggest contributors to cost in animation is having to fill in the space between key frames. Of course, the key frame is the frame that communicates sort of the action and intention right. of whatever business is being presented in a frame of anim animation. Of course, you'll have, you know, a, a key pose um, moving into a next pose, you know, a character is, is you know, swinging a hammer, you know, yep. got to show him, you know, raising it to the extreme position above his head before and it brings then, it down, you know, to the target. Yep. Exactly, and everything in between that stroke—that's that's the frames, and mm -hmm. and the, the two positions are the keyframes. And this is why anime is able to pump so much out because they have so few um, fluid frames and and in or in betweens. That that's, is that yeah. what we used to call them in my yeah, year? Yeah, There are fewer in betweens. Yeah. The animation our anime is often on animate on twos and threes you know sometimes more and you can have five minutes of a scene where it's just three characters standing and talking and maybe they move an arm once or maybe they you know they narrow their eyebrows or something like that yeah. you know very small very simple and but then they'll have a few a couple scenes of intense uh really cool action potentially really cool action i, th I think attack on titan is like the best has some of the best fluid action in anime yeah, and and we'll get more into like the principles of animation. I know there's sort of the heralded twelve principles, um, sort of taught by Disney animators. I took a test on those once. I should okay. don't know many, if not. Yeah. It's funny because like in the hierarchy of these principles, the first one is kind of one of the most bizarre sounding, at least to the uninitiated, which is squash, squash and stretch. And, yeah. Yes. Squash and stretch. Squash and stretch. But it really is perhaps the most important feature of animation, making an object appear alive through uh, imbuing it with these physical attributes of how a living object responds to gravity and motion. Mm -hmm. and, and that is conveyed through squash and stretch. Exactly. Um, Brilliantly said. <laughs> and and that's something that computers have a very difficult time with you can see in, in all the kind of you know if you watch bojack horseman for example um yeah you can it's great that you have these assets you can design and just sort of program into your uh, layout but then trying to get them to move in a way that looks natural it's just you know it's very hard without going through all the work um that obviously makes things much more costly, but you know results in sort of that um, the very smooth, precise, realistic style that you get in traditional hand-drawn animation. Right, and you can and you can choose not to do all that, obviously, and have an animation style that is less realistic, less 
um, lifelike, less affected by gravity, and it can still be enjoyable. And well, and of course, animation you can you can play. You get you can just play and manipulate and make things the way you you want them to be. Um, yeah, yeah, in computers, it was very like we we had to make a ball bounce at, uh, in a computer, and that was very difficult when you have had no idea what you're doing if you um, want to make it look like it's easy if you just make the ball move up and down across the screen you know anyone which is <laughs> yep that's exactly how i started i was like oh look i can it can float up and down it's like well now look like it's actually affected by gravity and then when it hits the ground it, the force applies to it which squashes it and then when it bounces back up it stretches and that's humans do it animals any objects in in animation it was Oh, you're taking it back. War is full of uncertainty. We strike when the moon is highest. Moonshadow elves are dangerous elite fighters. Can't you just make peace with them? It's not that simple. There's history of wrongs on both sides. Humans cut down the king of the dragons and destroyed his only egg, the dragon prince. Justice will not be denied. You need to see something. This changes everything. Maybe it could stop the war. It's up to us now. We have to return this egg to Zadia. The series follows um, these two princes who uh, discover a dragon egg hidden in uh, the dungeon of their castle. Um, and you find out that they're, you know, one of the characters, this sorcerer, the castle sorcerer, um, who was, who like led the expedition to kill the uh, had dragon brought back this egg that that was presumed destroyed, but Callum and Ezrin they, they find it in it. his basement. Yeah, <laughs> they find it, and um, and all this occurs during the assault on the castle by the dark elves or the moon shadow elves. And um, when this occur, you know they end up teaming up with the youngest member of the group of elves. She she's sort of been rejected from the group after she showed you know, a certain level of incompetence, she like refused to kill someone. Rayla is the name of this elf, and uh, she, she's definitely one of the more interesting characters on the show. Yeah, that's uh, a, good, a good point. Um, I've done some, you know, not a ton of reading about the show, but uh, hard, hard to nail down who the actual protagonist is. Um, and not that there has to only be one, but like, who are we, who are we really following here? Are we following Callum or are we following Railer, who do we identify with more? Whose story is this? Um, definitely seen more lean. It was very Rayla heavy. She got the most um, development, I would say. Yeah. Um, overall, you know, the show is sort of a watered down version of the sword and sorcery fantasy tale. It's not, you know, but there's still definitely stakes. And um, even even more so than, I think, Avatar The Last Airbender, the show's willing to depict things like death and, um, you know, blood, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to, my, my assumption is that it's going to allow itself to go farther, be a little darker, um, potentially. Well, it's on Netflix, so you would think. So they can. Like, they can kind of do whatever they want, right? I mean, it does have a rating, obviously, and the rating is uh, TV... Yeah, TVY7, Fantasy Violence, um, which doesn't TV allow... I, I believe so, yeah. And But, yeah, I mean, hopefully 
you know, the creators, you know, are able to tell the story that they're meaning to tell. Right. I'm hopefully they, they, they went to Netflix with their show and their story. And they said, this is what we have. This is what we want to do. And hopefully Netflix went or, and said, great, do that. That's fine. I know. Do you remember that show called Wakfu? Um, this French show, um, and of course, it's based yeah. on that. That yeah. is based on a RPG, um, oh, you know, an online, okay. yeah, and an MMO RPG. Um, so I, I got kind of some some vibes from that um, while watching Dragon Prince. You know, you've got the the elf character who's sort of um, proficient with weapons and. Just, just yeah. That of course, the dragon egg is sort of the main thing. I think there was there was a significant plot point in Wakfu um, having to do with the dragon egg, and um, the Wakfu is actually so Wakfu is a name for the magic of that world, oh, um, yeah. like like the mana or or wow. you know chi, um, and then it's it's actually based on. Um, an earlier game set in the same world of this um, game called um, Dofus, D-O-F-U-S, which is the name for a dragon egg. So that's Dofus kind of where the parallels um, sort of arise. But yeah, the dragon prince. So, I, you know, it follows their adventure through these uh, nine episodes, nine 25-minute episodes, um, it's kind of interesting to see how sort of the alliances fall on either side of the conflict. Um, you, you've got the new faction develop, you know, you're following the, the young um, team members, you know, a la Avatar Last Airbender. What do they call that? Um, the, the, the party? Is, is that oh, the term? Oh, yeah, the party, the, all the characters in the, in the group that go on the adventure. Yeah, right now our party consists of, in Dragon Prince, it consists of Prince Callum, Prince Ezrin, and Rayla. Um, Ezrin is borderline useless, but he has the ability to talk to, well, I don't know, how spoilers? Do we care about those? Yeah, no, um, we, can, we can, yeah, that's kind of bizarre. His uh, ability to kind of perfectly understand animals or i don't i don't really know yeah that was that was weird when they introduced that and it was like oh yeah which so i really like and that was that was that's another great example of how the show just is able to be sort of nuanced and and relatable is like when ezrin announced this information that he can talk to animals callum responded like the audience he's like really annoying kid brother you're just trying to attract attention you're acting like a child like this isn't real but then you know you find out it it, it was and it's like okay um so I'm, i am looking for I, i'm looking forward to seeing more from ezra in, in the next show because he definitely seemed kind of like a like a tag along character like and anytime there's a, a really young kid with a couple older kids it's like what are they going to contribute really that's interesting uh, other than their pet uh, like Ezrin is interesting because of um, the toad. What's the <laughs> again? Uh, yeah, bait. 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 Well, uh, and then at the end, um, and and yeah, we can discuss this. Like the the egg does hatch, and um, we're introduced to the dragon character. I I mean, yeah, it is difficult to determine. You know to what extent uh, Ezrin is truly 
like uh what's the what's the thing from game of thrones when oh a warg yeah yeah warg you know can like channel uh animals um and i mean yeah it's a it's a fantasy world so yeah no one is able to do that i mean you can totally accept it i can talk to snakes yeah everyone everyone has their thing you know and like right now cal this is a classical trope i mean right now callum's thing is that he doesn't have a thing like he's trying to find himself and what he's good at and i mean matt well kind of magic like he which is you know i'm always interested in in mages in or in fantasy worlds, it's like, okay, how do you handle magic? Is this something that's really rare? Do only a couple wizards, can they do it? Or is it like something that everyone can learn? Or, um, and I think Avatar handled that really well. And this, he's like, oh, I am. A, and the, it's not always nice to hear them say the word mage because, in, you know, that's such classic fantasy RPG nerd talk. Like, Yeah, well, he is shown to be... Uh impressed like a good artist from the beginning and i think that's oh yeah a big part of yeah the skill set that goes into being a mage you have to be um, skilled at writing runes and um you have to be an artsy fartsy and weak <laughs> um, i really related to callum in that way which I, and i'm sure and a lot of kids won't for the same you know like uh, strong athletic kids watching the show will not yeah. want to relate to callum they'll want to relate to oh the cool the son of Viren. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Soren. Soren. Soren was awesome. Yeah, Viren, the the big bad sort of um, the the exactly the sort of big bad. We could talk about how he's <laughs> even he is like they not. They're he not... definitely devolves into a bit of a mustache twirler. But you know his kids are still fairly sympathetic characters. He he also his de- his devotion though to King Harrow mm-hmm. always seems genuine. Like that never. It, like even even if even if he has turned King Harrow into the bird, um, yeah, which he obviously did. Yes, I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> yeah, um, it didn't t- took me a minute. I I I almost thought that the snake things was like an abandoned device, um, but no. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, like even even no matter like what evil Her- uh, Viren has in mind or the evil or how selfish he wants the throne or whatever it. I, I'm I'm almost willing to buy that he genuinely does care for for Harrow like as a friend and like loves him in some twisted way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you think Viren is the sorcerer from the beginning, who like discovered? That's a Dark good Knight? question. I did uh, well because that sorcerer did the he discovered that magic thousands of years ago, and then the dragon was killed six months ago. Like. But Viren um, has a way of preserving his youth. Remember, with like the butterflies, and he absorbs their essence to rejuvenate himself. I, I, okay, yeah, that. All right, I remember that. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised because um, I, I think this. Yeah, they want. They probably want for this show an ultimate big bad villain. Um, dating back to you know the the dawn of villainy you know sort of a thing rather than just kind of like a villain of the week um they probably they want a villain more like ozai than like they did with korra mm-hmm. um there is a character you know, page online um listing you know the names and the heights and for some reason the birthdays i guess they I, used the romantic ca- or the gregorian calendar for i thought about that <laughs> once just randomly the other day i was i was thinking about the character profiles and why do people care how tall people are 
Like, like, I, I think that's interesting because physically, like these characters do take up space within basically the models that they're that are rendered have to exist within a certain right. That's true. That helps definitely ground them in reality, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but birthdays, that is interesting. What, wait, really? Gregorian calendar for sure. Yeah, really? yeah, January through December. On October the 24th, if you'd like to know. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, of course, they have a single moon just like Earth, too. So, you know, another parallel. What if it is Earth? <laughs> what if it's yeah. Earth before Middle Earth, before the present day? That's, that's always really vague with these types of things. Yeah, Avatar, of course, the same way. It has the single moon and um, certain, certain other, they just call it Earth. Because what else do you um, but, do? I mean, you want your world to be real. You want it to look. You want it to look and feel and breathe like our own, and yet be infused with magic. So, mm -hmm. just like ours used to be. <laughs> yes, one hundred, of course. But um, yes, yeah, so, so Veer, like with his whole end game. Yeah, how did he like come into the position he is now? If he's been around for so long. I guess that's right. you know a story for another day, or maybe he's descended from the ancient sorcerer, a reincarnation but, of the ancient sorcerer, possessed possessed by the spirit of the ancient sorcerer. Maybe um. Well, yeah. What I was getting at with the character profiles is um they they list the age for most of the characters except for um except for Viren? some of the adults. Well, they they don't. For Harrow, Viren, um, Amaya, the the aunt character, um, or Runan, the dark elf, um, mm. who gets captured, um, and I wonder if that's because like they don't want to reveal um, Viren's age. I, I mean, they could have just made something up, but um, you know, maybe they're trying to keep that intentionally vague. Because, yeah, what if these characters are older than they appear? And, of course, they did establish that with Viren, I feel, that, that he is supposed to be older than he looks. Yeah. Or, or else... Harrow's disappointed in what Viren has become. So, clearly, yeah. they, they were old war buddies. They had a bond. Um, but then Viren got, Viren got, into, the, got into some bad shit. Well, and, um, if they yeah. grew up together... That would make more sense. Yeah, which they never specify if that's if they grew up together or or if they met, just met in in their adult lives sometime. I at least I don't recall if they. You know, does he say that like we've known each other since we were children? No, I I don't think they ever do. But clearly they go back quite a ways. I I don't know if it'll be interesting finding out more about the backstory because uh, it is possible that they kind of. He enters the picture later because, you know, the, the whole family, uh, Harrow's family is fragmented. His, you know, his wife is apparently, you know, ha had a relationship before Harrow. So there maybe was a whole bunch of like political intrigue that happened prior to the attack on Thunder, yeah, on Zadia. There's some real Game of Thrones-ish going down in the land of, mm -hmm. of Catalus. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Viren was sort of the leader of one faction, and um, you know, Harrow was part of another like noble family. And I don't know, maybe they teamed up in order to ascend to power. And so Harrow doesn't necessarily know that much about Viren's past, and so he could be hiding a lot.
Yeah, there's there's a really interesting, or at least there's an interesting enough foundation for these characters where I, I am like generally, genuinely interested in in what we find out about them and where they've come from and where they're where they're going. I think they're. I trust there's some really thoughtful world building that went on. Um, I mean, if if you just read about like Wonderstorm's mission statement, from what it is, what that um, it's founded by uh, Aaron Aaron Ahaz and um, Justin Richmond, I believe. Justin Richmond and Justin Santis Stephen. Um, that's what they're all about. Um, mm -hmm. They produced and developed video games, and and they're on the website. Like, there's a really you know, really heartfelt explanation from Aaron and the creatives about how they want to make a world that people can dig into and mm -hmm. get excited about the lore about, and um, that's really fleshed out and, and really engaging and immersive. And, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and I, I'm excited to see where it goes. Well, to finish up, I've just got a few little things I wanted to point out. Some uh, interesting connections between the Dragon Prince and perhaps some other um, shows that it's riffing on and comes in, in some obvious and not so obvious forms. A few main ones that I noticed, um, you know, some, some references to um, other movies and shows. Like there's several nods to the line, sweep the leg from the Karate Kid. Oh, sweep the leg. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, someone, oh, um, Harrow um, says the phrase, winter is coming eventually. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if these things are necessarily that, that grown worthy, but. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I found them. I, mm -hmm. That's the thing. Maybe technically, objectively, they are grown worthy. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're bad moves. Uh, but I didn't care. They were. I loved it. I was like. That's a nod. That's a that's a reference. That's kind of a it's that's self aware and and say, I found it well, funny. And there's a <laughs> say hello to my little friend. Oh gosh, yeah. they did that one. Um, gosh, which is so what triggers? Yeah, you know, that triggers Bates. Um, you know, Flash. Uh, move. Oh yeah, say hello. That was that was the one, that was one where I was like. Ah. That's maybe pushing it a little bit, but King Harrow saying winter is coming in an animated fantasy show. That's that's complete badass. I mean, I was totally expecting that, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Just, you know, hearing that phrase somewhere in the show. Um, and then, yeah, it ended up being the first episode. Um, yeah. Of course, <laughs> in um, the first scene introducing Ezrin and Callum and he's, he's the first of the two characters who speaks Jack DeSena and we're kind of following him as he is drawing a picture of a uh, dragon attacking a marshmallow monster <laughs> that's uh, my gosh yes he was that I did notice that a little wow. nod to Ghostbusters that's so fun I love that. It's the little things. It's all these little, and it and the show has that. It has a richness and a and a depth. I'm I'm I you know I don't know. I wasn't like completely amazed by everything about the show all the time, but it at least had that that heart and and a sense of and a, yeah, richness and depth. I already, yeah. I already said. Yeah, that. And there's definitely a point to um, include a lot of diversity, and you even see that in terms of like the. Uh, racial makeup of the show. Um, yeah, and, and that's what they're trying to 
really easy to accept just that okay people are of all different colors and, and shapes and sizes awesome um and then the like uh, the, the sign language amaya really interesting character really really cool um you know not none of the diversity seemed like it was like hitting you on the over the head look how diverse we are it was just like it it was interesting and effective and served the story yeah i mean it's good to have representation like that you know the sign language kind of an arbitrary choice that they weren't initially going to do, but, um, you know, in oh, the really? end, yeah. Um, she was written as, you know, a spoken character and like when they cast, I, I guess they, they must've cast an actress to play her, but they say that like her assistant, you know, the Lieutenant, um, when they cast him, um, wasn't going to be reading all the lines for Amaya, but then his character changed a lot, you know, when, they made that decision, of course. Um, so they they do a very convincing job of portraying, um, you know, the use of American Sign Language (ASL) uh, in animation. Um, yeah, and that's not something you see a lot of. Not something you see a lot at all. And it was, and the reason I it, well, I think it's really cool. One of the reasons I think it's really cool is because, and as a, it made it more interesting as a character was you've got this general who is using sign language. And so we don't exactly know why, like was she, was she injured or was she always growing up this way? But clearly, and they all look at her and listen to her and respect her. And they, you know, they don't look down on her for this perceived disability. So it's like, clearly this woman is capable, is so, um, is so skilled and awesome and respectable that like this, this disability isn't a disability for her and that they all respect her and, and treat her as an equal. Mm -hmm. um, and you know they, the assistant speaks for her, but he speaks, and her authority is conveyed, and that uh, was really interesting. It's like so, it really sets her as a very authoritative and strong and character mm -hmm. that you don't want to mess with because even though she's using sign language, you, you're not like that's not a weakness for so you know you're still scared of and intimidated by her, um, and she's very good. She's very right. I wasn't sure at first if she was deaf or. If she just yeah couldn't speak, maybe had a curse on her or something. But um, right. you show like a close up of Rayla moving her mouth and you know, Amaya you know, reading her lips, so implying that she. I, yeah, I assumed yeah, deaf. I didn't. Deaf. I didn't pay like close attention if there were in inconsistencies at all. Too yeah. like you know maybe she reacts to a noise or something. And mm -hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't paying close enough attention. I didn't catch that in, until later that she was definitely deaf. Um, and then there, there is a moment in the show where she um, does a line of uh, ASL that isn't subtitled or anything. Um, so w unless you know how to read it, like there's no way of knowing what she says. I mean, it's yeah. definitely kind of implied that she's, um, you know, paying her respects to this tomb that, that belongs to her sister uh, Ezrin and Callum's mother who's deceased and um, so what she does say um, apparently here uh, and I quote hello sister you were my heroine perfect strong unwavering kind and true I'm sorry big sister I have failed I had your boys safely with me but let them slip away a little easter egg for you Ah, that's awesome. All right. So um, thank you all for listening to our uh, discussion on 
The Dragon Prince. Thank you, Dawson. It's been a fun time having you on the show. And um, yeah, follow uh, the Thoughtcast uh, wherever you subscribe to podcasts and um, stay tuned for the uh, next episode. Thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right.